Welcome to the BSB Podcast. This is a hub where we gather and share the incredible stories and experiences of Black professionals thriving in the dynamic world of sport business. Join us on this exhilarating journey as we bring you the voices that are reshaping the narrative, trailblazing the industry, and breaking barriers. Whether you're a seasoned professional, an inspiring enthusiast, or just someone who loves a good story, we've got something for you. Our aim is simple but powerful, to inspire and educate the next generation and current sport business professionals. Let's not just make a mark in the industry, let's redefine it. Together, we'll continue to pave the way for a sports world that truly reflects the richness of our society. Enjoy the content, learn from each other, and let's continue making sport an example for society. Mark Harrison is the founder of the MH3 Collective, a group of ventures whose purpose is to connect people and ideas to create social impact. The collective includes Humanity, a creative agency for the human age, Sidekick, a team of purpose-driven strategy consultants, T1, a sponsorship agency that works with impactful brands, and Sponsorship X, a global community of marketing practitioners. In addition, he co-founded the Black Talent Initiative to support the Black community in professional workplaces and Park Street Education, a charity to remove all barriers to children's education. Mark is a recipient of the Harry Jerome Award in the business category, annually presented by the Black Business and Professional Association. In addition, his success in marketing over the last 30 years has led him to be the Association of Canadian Marketers 2022 Gold Medal Award winner. So here we are for another episode of the BSB Podcast. Super excited about this conversation we're going to have with Mark Harrison, who is a number of things, a number of things. So I'm very excited to hear about his journey in sport on the business side, of course, and all the contributions he's made, but also the path he's paving for others as they come through the space. So quick introduction. It says that Mark is an entrepreneur, author, speaker, coach, human. Can I add one more to that? Can I add Maverick to that? It's your podcast. It's my podcast. You can do whatever I want. Yeah. Would you consider yourself a Maverick, Mark? Now, we need to go backwards here. You said there's a number of things you can say about me. Yes. And you know what you can't say about me? What? That I'm number one because I just found out that I'm your fourth podcast. So who were one, two, and three? And why did I get relegated to four? Okay. Like, you know the Olympics, right? Yes. You were an Olympian-type athlete. You mark, yeah? Yeah, I still have how, how many steps are on the podium? Three. So where's number four? Number four is the one that cheered on number three. Two, and yeah, one. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> number, number four is over there, right? So to be fair, I was number one. Yeah, so you're always one. number one. Well, you know, there you go. Can't dispute All right. That. And number two was Andrew Nicholson and Bianca Aziz. That was number two. All right. And then Amaya Athill and her interview about golf was number three. All right, I'm I'm happy to be number four then, yeah. right? Take a good spot yeah. for you, Mark. Even so when, when, the, when, the, when the, I'll jump on the podium when they leave, and I'll do a little selfie. I love it. We'll All do right. that. We're okay. So, so Maverick. 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 Is that like a Top Gun reference? If you want it to be, I just think of it like a trailblazing reference. Um, and the question was, do I consider do myself consider a Maverick? Yourself a Maverick, yeah. No, I, I consider myself as uh, uh, a little boy looking for a home. Mm-hmm. And... Um, 
and my goal in life is to kind of keep making that home. And what does home look like? Mm. Do you know if you found it? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, home is a place where uh, we can feel sheltered and protected and, and not have to pretend to be something that we're not. Mm-hmm. And um, home can be a place where sometimes you get advice that you don't want to hear, okay. and years later you realize it was the right advice. And I think home is a place where um, there's some level of meritocracy, so mm-hmm. you put in some effort and, and you get uh, rewarded. And in some cases, that reward can be as simple as a roof over your head yeah. or a metaphorical one. And in other cases, it can be the opportunity to be trusted by people like you are mm-hmm. to lead from the front, which I think you are one of those people that are doing that. And, and I hope I am... When I say leading from the front, I don't mean like as the boss, but like, hey, there's a road down there and maybe it's a little quieter, a little bit eerie and we don't know where we should go. And I'm, I'm happy to be an eight year old boy. Say, let's, let's go. Let's find out. And and take your light and light the way for some people to go on that road. Yeah. Can we start what I think is the beginning? Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. Is T1 the beginning of your entrepreneurship journey or is there something else before that? Um, well, no, there was lots. Yes, There's there was lots, lots before, before that. that. Okay. Um, you deli- you're not old enough to deliver newspapers when you were a kid. My brother did. Okay. And he's younger than me, so I'm Got familiar. It. Okay. Yes. So that was probably my first business. And I didn't just have a paper route. Like, I got to understand my clients. Mm-hmm. I took on multiple paper routes. Hmm. I looked at what were the best paper routes to have. I, I sort of joined forces with local friends in Aurelia. So, yeah, T1 was the first company that I legally incorporated with the government of Ontario. Um, <laughs> there were other things. Yeah, but I was, I was an entrepreneur long before that. And I think, you know, there's a lot of ways to define entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to start with what I think is the simplest, okay. which is, you know, controlling your destiny. And I use that versus a business term because I think entrepreneurs can work for other people. They can have side hustles. They can be entrepreneurial or intrapreneurs within an organization. Yes, yes. Um, in my case, I was delivering papers, but I got to understand that this person at this house came home at this time of the day, and the first thing that she wanted to do was unfold that paper and maybe do the crossword. Okay. Um, or maybe read obituaries. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at eight or nine years old, I got to understand, you know, clients and customers and people because you, you ask them questions, ask them questions. right? Um, I don't think a lot of paper route delivery people <laughs> ask their household, like, why? why do you read the paper? Yeah. And what time do you want the paper? And what door do you want the paper in? Hmm. And do you have a dog? Will I be making the dog bark? Or if you have a child? So okay. for me, it was like, the time they wanted the paper, yeah. where they wanted the paper, um, making sure that, uh, like with some papers, you had to assemble them. Mm-hmm. So, Definitely. you know, if I knew that 122 Collegiate Drive loved the sports section, yeah. I'm actually going to double check, the like right up to the sidewalk, that the sports section's in 122 paper. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So you're able to start catering for people's needs and giving them what they needed earlier and understanding the value of what that brings to you, what you're bringing to them and the value that that brings. Yeah, and I think that, for me, defines entrepreneurship. Technically, mm-hmm. May 16, 1994, 
you know, you could have a sound effect right now for old age. Well, is when T1 started, right? <laughs> when T1 started. What is the sound old, effect for old age? For old age, I don't even know. We have to figure that out. Yeah. I don't want to do anything creaking, though. I don't think that's fair. I no, not like at a, all. Can it be like an explosion or something cool? Like, yeah, boom, sure. Yeah. Okay, we'll do that. Yeah, although we need to think through in this climate what metaphors we use because explosions can... Could be a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it could be a little yeah. bit off, off. Maybe off, we'll off. just go like with a, like just with a, a very distinct... Uh, but inspiring trumpet note. I like that. So nothing super Caribbean, like a pen in an air or nothing like that. Nothing crazy. You, I would love it if you could bring <laughs> that to the table. I unfortunately uh, grew up in early Ontario, and the closest I got to the Caribbean was Lake Kuching Park. Okay. Right? Yeah. So we'll do something more trumpety, and, but very powerful, just nonetheless. You know, it's funny. I said trumpet. You said trumpety, and I immediately went like, what, we're going to have a Trump moment? Like, no, no. <laughs> He's <laughs> everywhere. Okay, let's get back to the agenda. May 16, Sorry. 1994. T1 yeah. started. Yeah. Why did you think it was necessary to build T1 in the first place? Yeah, so, you know, in full transparency, I made mm-hmm. this comment about, uh, you know, starting as an entrepreneur from being a boy. Mm-hmm. And um, I always, so I was adopted, mm-hmm. and I won the adoption lottery, and I've talked about that a lot, and the Harrisons are my parents, and they're beautiful people. But they also share with me, like, hey, you were adopted. And so at some point, a judge signed a piece of paper that sent me down a hallway, right? And I got very fortunate. I got down a hallway where I got two great, powerful role models, right? My mom couldn't go to med school. Mm -hmm. Um, I said I wasn't going to tell the story, but I did. Because as you all know, black people could not go to med school in Ontario from 1919 to the mid-1960s. Wow. My mother went to high school with a cat named David Suzuki, which the whole world knows, <laughs> and she had higher marks than him. Mm-hmm. So she couldn't go to med school. <clears throat> she became a nurse, and in her 60s, got her university degree. Yeah. She married my dad, who was a tool and die maker, but first rejected by the union <clears throat> uh, in sound because they did not let black people in the union. So he had his papers, but you don't get in the union, you can't get a job. Exactly. The, the, the tool and die shop was owned by a gentleman in town, and his wife found out that Ronnie Harrison, who's my dad, mm-hmm. wasn't allowed to join the union, hence couldn't get a job. a job. All of a sudden, that guy wasn't getting dinner. Hmm. I think he went hungry. I don't know what sort of like fast food or Uber Eats there was in the 50s. <laughs> Probably not uh, many but it didn't take him very many days to go to the union and say, put Ronnie Harrison in the union. I'm hungry. 100%. And he's like, we don't let black guys in the union. So the guy said to him, fine, I will be taking this, this company to Collingwood from Own Sound, and you'll have 40 less jobs. Wow. So these are the people that raised me, but they always imbued me with a, with, a, with a couple of simple messages. My mother told me, you can do whatever you want, mm-hmm. over and over and over. And you know when you repeat those things? Yeah. And I will admit that I'm not always the best cat in the world at internal praise, so I need to work on that. But you just tell somebody, you did a good job, over and over and over. It doesn't even have to be glamorous. You just believe. Yes. My dad, who wound up becoming a high school teacher, he told me, get to know the janitors in every organization. Okay. Because they are, they're the horsepower, they're the brains, they know how the operation runs. Mm -hmm. For my dad, his side hustle was, you know, getting into his shop or the wood shop on the weekend and making furniture for our house or maybe even like some canoes that he might donate to a local charity or things he might sell. So that's why I became an entrepreneur because I was raised by these parents that said, you can do whatever you want Mm -hmm. and um, be nice to the janitors or get to know them. 
And then I was always living with this notion that I need to take care of me first, not in a mm-hmm. selfish way. Because at one point, I was just this little thing in diapers, and some judge is looking at me going, okay, okay well, we're you. sending you down this hall. And so there, so that's why I started, that's the inside version of why I started the business. I'm happy to talk about the outside. I should probably breathe at some point. <laughs> you well, know? you can take a breath. Take a breath, because that's a lot of information that you share with us. Which is great information to know, because it's always good to get context as to where your mind was, how you got poured into. That gave you the fuel to kind of start what you started. But also understanding a bit more about your background too, which is amazing to know. Because I didn't know, I knew some of it, but I didn't know all of it. So that was really fun for me to like learn more about. But from the outside, mm-hmm. what do you think was missing or what problem do you think T1 was made to solve? Sure. So I worked for a marketing services agency and had an amazing client called FM, better known as Mars Canada. So M&M, Snickers, uh, Rice, right? right? M&M, there you go. <laughs> Um, and I worked at this company for seven years and I was really fortunate. I got promoted. I did well. My clients trusted me, but I always wanted to own my own business. And when I looked at what I would do, I, I launched my business on the premise that I tell everybody not to go to an interview and talk about, I love sports and I love sp- marketing. So yeah. I decided to launch a sports marketing company, even though my friends looked at me and said, you've never worked in sports marketing. Mm-hmm. How can you launch a sports marketing company? And I'm like, well, my mom told me I can do anything. Exactly. <laughs> um, I think my dad told me to become a janitor. I'm kidding. <laughs> so my premise was I want to do something I was passionate about. Mm-hmm. I'm also really passionate about people. So I wanted to help my clients get promoted. Okay. N- not their company, their brand, their product, the individual. I want to help the marshals across the table from me mm-hmm. do their job better. And the guy I worked for in this marketing company, he had a very adversarial approach to clients. So for me, it was about how do I help you do your job better? And then being from Aurelia, Ontario, I would get these briefs when I worked in marketing. And it would say, national program, Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver. I'm like, guess I'm not part of Canada. Exactly. <laughs> and so early on, I was like, I want to take big brands to the grassroots, get them into the Aurelias and the Ramouskis mm-hmm. and, um, you know, the Red Deers and smaller places and connect with our country mm-hmm. on a more consistent basis. And so those were the kind of three things, passion, yep. people, mm-hmm. grassroots. I thought you were going to give me another P. I know. I have four P's. You have four P's? You know I have four P's. Passion, people, profit, purpose. This is true. I do know Passion, people, People, profit, purpose. purpose. Is there a reason why purpose is last? No. That's how they came out. I would actually say that in order. Mm -hmm. um, Passion. Okay. Like if you don't have passion for what you're doing, just stop. Correct. Like don't do it. Quit complaining. Don't whine. Go Mm -hmm. home. Get a new job. Get a new life. Find a passion that actually works for you versus one that just kind of... Purpose. Where the hell are you going? So now you're all revved up. Mm-hmm. What direction? Profit, because you need fuel. And we're going to come back to profit in a second. Yep. And then people, not because it's last, but because you can't do any of those things without people. Without and people. the first person you have to do them with is yourself. We'll get into that in a mm-hmm. minute. The reason I, I put profit in there, and a lot of people don't like the word profit, is I'm sorry, but without resources, you can't do anything in this world. Correct. Every war is fought over resources. Every family breaks up over resources. Every divorce is related to resources. Every leading indicator for all sorts of things, mm-hmm. even uh, you know, mental well-being, yes. personal development, it's about resource yeah, scarcity. Interesting. You know, you go to cities like Vienna, where twenty percent of the apartments are owned by the city, so there's no homelessness. Mm-hmm. You know what else is related to that? 
less theft, less mental health, less addiction, less this, less stereotyping, less, yeah. you know, because they have resources. Because Vienna said, unlike our country, which is supposed to be perfect, yes. we think that a roof over your head manifests itself in a bunch of other outcomes. So those four Ps are vital for me. But one of the reasons I like you so much is you bring the passion every day. And no matter what you do, you would bring the passion. And mm -hmm. I think that, I think there is no, nothing more sorry in the entire world than somebody that doesn't have a passion for what they do. That would be hard to watch. Well, but it's 99% of the world, people. so that's another meeting. Do you that think was a bit, that was people, well, since we're on this 99% is a bit high, but. Maybe anyway. 98? Yeah. 95? Do you How about 94 since I'm the fourth podcast? <laughs> Let's go with 94. Yeah. So or maybe I'm the 94th podcast. No. Yeah. Why would you be the 94th I don't know. podcast? I don't even have one of those nice hoodies, so I must We're be, going I to have to fix it. See, way, all, I must way, be way uh, down. Don't worry. Very way. few people have this hoodie. So you know, there's this thing there. we have coming up called Christmas. You've heard of it. Yeah. So we need to get you one of these yeah. BSB sweaters for Christmas. Yeah. And you can even that. send me mine on Boxing Day because it was cheaper. I'll do that. And we don't have to even worry about it. Next podcast episode, we're going to show a picture of Mark before we start with your sweater on. Good. Just to make sure we have the receipts. Good. But do you think people don't have passion because they don't have purpose? Or they don't know what their purpose is? I don't is? know if I'm that smart, but I would, I would say this. I think that... Um, I can only talk about myself. Right. Right? So, I don't fear failure because... Mm -hmm. I grew up with people that experienced way more than I ever will, right? I talked about a few, you know, my parents were on food stamps. My mom's uh, dad went off to World War II, came home with an 18-inch metal plate. My, my dad's family, you know, parents died young, all the rest of it. So I don't have fear, but I'm not reckless. And, but I do think that part of the reason I don't have fear is because I love what I do, and I would, and I could make more cake, being on Bay Street. Yeah. Uh, these guys that do venture capital, like it's hilarious. They read a bunch of papers, uh, then they go invest millions in companies. They tell me they're building companies. They've never made a sales call in their life. They've mm -hmm. never, they've never dealt with a, you know, hiring massive issues. Like they sit there as advisors. Yes. Right. Uh, I think it was uh, Kevin O'Leary was at Harvard a little while ago saying. I, I hate consultants. They never make decisions in their life. I'm never, all you are going to be consultants, you're all going to make a lot of money, mm -hmm. but you all suck. And so for me, like, uh, I have to do what I'm passionate about. And there's actually, as I get older, other things I could be passionate about. Mm -hmm. That could be M, haven't pursued. Like, I would have loved to have been a university prof. I think you should have been. I, think, I don't think it's too late for you to do that. No, not at all. I think not you can definitely pursue that. Yeah. I think I'm there's not, so much value. I'm not that old. Thank you for saying that. No, um, not about the age. But, um, yeah, passion's everything for me. And, and when people don't like their jobs, I like, just shut up, quit your whining. Why'd you book a half-hour mentorship conversation for me to whine? I've had people do that. Oh, you, you're on the BTI. I'm yeah. a black person. I'm going to talk to you and get mentorship. And then they just come and they whine about their circumstance. I'm like, change it. F-O. <laughs> Move on. Don't blame your color, your race, your gender, your height, your shorts, your weight, your whatever. Mm -hmm. Find something you're passionate about and go do and it. Go do it. Right now, fix a lot of your problems. Right. What, what? What am I here? Like the the passion shrink. <laughs> the passion shrink. Right. You should probably give you a little title. Mark is right. not a passion shrink. Right. But on the other hand, if you come into my environment, yeah. like you have, mm -hmm. and you're passionate, I will help you without you ever asking. I will proactively help you. I will yes. be thinking about you. You know, 
the person who sends me a note on LinkedIn saying, oh, I'd love to email you my resume. What's your email address? If you can't find my email address, I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) You're not looking. It's right there. Why am I having this diatribe? (laughs) No, it's good. But people need to know the important things about like reaching out to people and networking. Yeah. But having lack of passion, I think people don't talk about it enough. Right. I think people get caught up in the day-to-day rudimentary things and they get worried about like resources in terms of like paying your bills and covering yourself. That they're afraid to pursue their passions. And I think a lot of people need more evidence of the good that it can bring. And I think people get confused that if you're passionate about something, it's automatically a hobby, hmm. which it's not meant to be, yeah. right? And again, I'm a realist, so everything has to have circumstance. So right. I gave you this really sexy, rosy picture of I had a job, and I quit that job, and I said I'm going to go into sports marketing, mm-hmm. and now we're sitting here in my office. <laughs> Let, let's back up. Sure. I made no money. I made a lot of money in my job. I'm not going to say it in this podcast, but mm-hmm. like I did very well as a 25, 26, 27 year old. I think my friends who said, why are you starting your own business in sports marketing? Weren't actually saying that. Mm-hmm. I think they were like, Ooh, you used to be the guy who threw all the parties or like, I literally like one November I was doing my MBA part time. I got tired of studying. I, I like flew a bunch of friends to California on my dime and off we went. Why right? were we never friends? Right. <laughs> we aren't. Don't worry. <laughs> California's closed, by the way. They just put up a big sign. But the point is, like, um, I launched that business because I was passionate about sports marketing. Okay. But what people didn't know is that I was writing catalog copy when there used to be catalogs, Mm -hmm. right, for a couple of apparel brands because I wasn't making any money when I launched my business. So the passion is what my external was. Yeah. It's what I was driving for. But I happened to be an okay copywriter. Mm-hmm. I needed to pay my mortgage. Yeah, right. Profit. Mortgage. Mm-hmm. Just for those of you out there complaining about your six percent mortgages, my mortgage was eleven point seven five percent. I bought my house from a man who was paying twenty two percent. Right, twenty two percent. So that's just that goes to show you where we are not. Yeah. Well, I hope we don't get back now, there. Now, don't get me wrong. The value of the house or the price of the house was a lot less than of it is course. now, but still. But my point is, I was pursuing my passion, but I was paying my bills. Mm -hmm. And my point is, you can find a way. My mom and dad abhorred debt, right? They didn't never want to be in debt. So when we we moved from a street in Aurelia called Third Street to Collegiate Drive, when I said 122 Collegiate Drive earlier, that was actually my home address. Um, But I remember, like, that house... Like, I think our house we sold was like 35000 I think the house we bought was like sixty five or sixty eight or something. And I remember three years in, we didn't have dessert. We didn't have new clothes. We didn't have this and that. We had a great house. Mm-hmm. And my mom, I came home one day, or my mom came home, and she looked at me and gave me a hug, and she had tears. Like, we paid off the mortgage, right? Yeah. Because my, my, you know, my parents did stuff, right? My mm-hmm. mom was one of the first to go back to work. My dad had side hustles. Yep. They said, here's the sacrifices because we're going to live somewhere mm-hmm. that somebody can't take away from us, right? Okay. You know? And that's super important to give you guys that kind of provision and that safety. Right. So, so my point is like, and I mean this respectfully to people who complain about their circumstances. Mm-hmm. It, I don't mean to be glib about it. I know I don't know all your, your circumstances. But if you, if you want to if you want to pursue your passion then figure out what your passion is and build a plan and don't come to me or you with mm-hmm. excuses about why you're not getting on your plan come to you or me with like 
here's what's really working in my plan. Here's where I'm going next. Any blind spots, things you can think of, Mm -hmm. you know, blah, blah, blah. But I love people, old, young, and middle, who are passionate, Passionate. right? You know, Hugh Lawson was here today to help out the team, right? (laughs) You know, how can you not want to walk up to Hugh and just give him a big hug? Of course. Because no matter what Hugh does in life, he's going to do it 110%. Always. 120%. 130%. So, And and you respect that. So. In, with all the challenges you've been through, Mark, and, and even talking about when you converted over to do entrepreneurship and you're like, yeah, these bills aren't going to get paid here, but yeah. I'm going to do this on the side. What has that taught you? Like, what have those challenges taught you about the journey or about yourself in particular? It's funny you use the word challenges because I don't know if I use that word. No, that's, that's totally yeah. that's I, I think you. they are the, they're facts. Okay. Right? Fact. I grew up in Aurelia. Mm-hmm. Fact. I went to University of Guelph. Mm-hmm. Fact, I moved to Toronto, and the first thing I felt about Toronto, I wonder how you felt, <laughs> I felt like everybody knew everybody when they moved here. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Right, yep. but now you know everybody. Kind of, I'm getting and there. I know everybody. You know everybody. Right, but a fa- <laughs> it wasn't a challenge, it was a fact, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm like, okay, so how do you get to know people? I got a job. Fact, I had an idiot boss, mm-hmm. right? My boss was the best friend of the owner of the company. Those are facts. Gotcha. I just worked my butt off. And you know what happened to my boss? He got fired. I was 23. The owner of the company and his best friend were in their late 30s. My owner fired his best friend because he knew his best friend was an idiot. And he got wind that I was going to leave, which was true, because I couldn't stand working. Those are facts. Those aren't challenges. Okay. I'm like, I got options. You suck. (laughs) I'm going to work hard. The clients are going to love me. Word gets out I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. Boss gets fired. Fact, I start a business. I've got a mortgage. Mm-hmm. I have the woman I love has moved in with me. Yeah. And I'm like, i got to pay some bills so I can moan and complain or I can write catalog copy. Right? Mm-hmm. Fact, nobody knows who I am in sports marketing. So I start a newsletter, which I started faxing to people. Fax? Okay, right? faxing. Fax, fax, fax. faxing. Mm-hmm. That I'm, you know, fact, I don't know anybody. So I start calling Every sports association in Toronto mm-hmm. saying, are you doing any press conferences soon? They're like, yeah, why? I said, oh, I put up this newsletter, Trojan <laughs> Sports News. I'd love to call, cover your next press conference. You know the thing about PR? PR needs room fillers. Yes. Right? They need room fillers and cameras. So all of a sudden, I'd be there, and they'd be like, who's that guy? Oh, he writes an industry newsletter. Oh, great. Oh, Good job, right? Go. My newsletter could be going to two people. It doesn't matter. Right? Me and you, yeah. right? <laughs> I'd read it. That's my circulation, right? Yep. But, but that's how I got to know people. That's how I got in the room. And you know what happens when you're in the room? The third time you're in the room, people come up and go, have we met? Yeah. Even if you've never met. Because your face doesn't become familiar. Right. Plus, you know, I, I, don't, I don't say this like as a negative, but I was the only in the room. Yeah. So everybody always remembered my name. 100%. Right? Plus, I was always at the food bar. Some home. <laughs> like, I had no money. Hey, can I bring my Tupperware into this press conference? Right? Do you mind? What, what, do you think, what do you think we'll keep? Right? <laughs> well, Have you seen days. my new cooler bag? <laughs> I, was an, I was an entrepreneur. I needed Not food, you. free food, right? You survived. Yeah. But those are facts. Those aren't challenges. I like that. Right? Mm-hmm. A, a challenge is like when you get sick. A challenge is when um, you've got a wire loose and your doctors haven't helped you or figured it out. And like, oh my gosh, now you've gone from being concerned about how you thought about life to maybe you've been diagnosed with bipolar and now you can get on a treatment program. Yeah. You know, 
a, a challenge is, you know, some random circumstance. Hmm. For me, I actually, I, I feel a little blessed. Yeah. I don't think I've had challenges the way other people have. You know, like, I'm very fortunate. Both my parents are still with us. They're old. My wife has lost hers, right? Those, mm-hmm. those things suck, right? Yep. You know, people who lose children, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, somebody we know, their son was shot during COVID over an argument about mass in an LCBO lineup, mm. right? A 20-year-old. Yeah. So I, I, I'm not going to use the C word mm-hmm. until I have a real challenge. I respect that. Yeah. And so these are just facts that you've managed to kind of navigate. Yeah, they're circumstances. circumstances. In fact, like, I don't care what the word is. But again, I go back to like self-management, controlling mm-hmm. your own destiny, individualization. I'm not here to make excuses. I've made a ton of mistakes. Okay. Oh my, I don't even want to get into them because then the people I made those mistakes with will be like, I told Who you you, you screwed up, right? <laughs> but the reality is I, they're my mistakes. And what have they taught you? Or one or two things that they've taught you. you want to... I don't think I listen as well as I should. I think I'm overly optimistic. No, I don't think I am you overly optimistic. I am Captain Rose Colored Glasses. Do you like okay. my rose eyes? I have rose contact lenses. They look really today. nice on you, yeah. I hope they're showing up in these cameras. <laughs> um, I'm always a believer, like, okay, we have a problem, a hurdle. Yep. Right? My favorite thing. Did, did you do hurdles? I, sure I did. thought you did. Okay. Mm-hmm. So tell me the secret to running the hurdles. It's a rhythm. People it's think what? It's a rhythm. Yeah. So people think that you're actually jumping when you're actually right. running. Right. So it is seven steps to the first, yeah. and then three steps, three steps, three steps in right. between. And right. if you miss the rhythm, then you're done. Right. There's a metaphor for life. Hmm. When you're in your rhythm, do you yeah. feel like you're performing at your best? 100%. What throws you off your rhythm? What throws me off my rhythm? Not feeling passionate about it. Okay. Not feeling inspired by it. Yeah. Um, probably major obstacles or negativity yeah. towards it. Um, that's what kind of throws me off. Yeah. So one of the things that will disrupt my rhythm is I will obsess mm-hmm. over... Um, I'm very insecure about first impressions with people and I sometimes mm-hmm. misinterpret them okay. and I think that person didn't like me and then I'll find out, oh, well, they, they can't wait to have lunch or whatever with you. And like, what? Because I actually, like, I think it's... If I was a psychiatrist or a psychotherapist, I'd be like, oh, it's because you're rejected as a baby and you're adopted and all that stuff. Yeah. But I do. I obsess about it. Mm-hmm. And that is something I've been like, just relax. Yes. Right? Just relax. Right? You're not back in grade 11. Are the cool kids inviting you to the party, party. or not? Right? Like, no, you are the party. Yeah. Make your own party. <laughs> but yeah. And I think, but business-wise, mm-hmm. I don't listen well enough. Okay. I'm overly optimistic. Mm-hmm. I have too much related optimism, too much confidence in my skills, over, overly confident. Yeah. And, um, uh, and I think related to not listening, I think I've realized this year, like our T1 is running better than ever this mm-hmm. year. It's, it's not on a gross profit basis, but if I look at every metric, yes. best year ever, 2023. Skill testing question for you. Mm-hmm. What is different about T1 this year than all the years before? You step back a bit. I'm not running it. Mm-hmm. Still own it. Yep. I do BD. Other people are running it their way. They're smarter. They're younger. They're more connected. They're more culture-oriented. They're more people-oriented. I'm doing what I do best, which is networking and bringing in business and opportunities and letting other people manage the day-to-day. My ego mm-hmm. is flattened. 
Mm. You're the, this is the first time I've confessed this publicly. Well, thank you very much for okay. the, the us that you right? confess it to. Yeah. Like tomorrow night is the T1 holiday party. Yes. And people are like, oh, you're going to make a speech. I'm like, I still own it. And there's a little bit of like emotion here because mm-hmm. it's not quite as much mine as I want it to be. Okay. Which is why what I've been working on personally for 2023 is what is mine and what is my validation as opposed okay. to like running this business my way. So we're more successful. And mm. so if you look at the T1 credentials deck today, yeah. it is black owned, yeah. women led, independent since 1994. Hmm. Right? Those are three big things. Those are three big things. I think you could probably validate this, mm-hmm. that I am the Only. longest running black agency owner in this country. I can, I would co-sign that, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, and the owner of the largest, there's no other black individual that owns an agency larger than what we've created. Another co-sign, yep. Women-led, because I got Ithya, who had a baby today, by the she way. So, yes, so okay. now I just still dated the podcast. It's okay, but anyway, it's okay. We, she, so she had exciting. a baby, yes. Yes. She's, she is, I look at Ithya and I go, I see myself. Mm-hmm. She's this powerhouse, dynamic, so no, I don't think of myself as a South Asian female with big hair. Okay. But I see myself in that. <laughs> Other she's, she's she's like me. She's always two mountains ahead. And people are like, would well, you freaking slow down? Like, you no. told us to climb this mountain and now you're over there. Yeah. But dynamic. And then Liz, who's the GM, like they're such they're 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 such a duo. Liz okay. keeps the trains running on time. She's strategic. She's resourceful. She's empathetic. Um, she sees the collisions before they happen. Hmm. And, like, not only do I report to them, like, a few weeks ago I did something wrong where I was, I brought in some business, I'm sure yeah. helping Marshall along. Somebody internally, quite senior, had a point of view on how something should be. I didn't think they were delivering. I didn't think they were listening. Okay. And my feedback got personal versus professional. Okay. Liz and Nithya took me to the, the shed. And how did that feel? Um... I think that it made me realize that in my career when I've taken things, I, I think I get so passionate about things yep. that I don't realize when I'm treading in personal. So it was a great lesson. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, the lesson was twofold. Mm-hmm. The That's fact cool. that they had the courage to take me to the shed. Um, and it also made me realize that I actually I've gotten... No, I've received a lot of second chances in my life with people, okay. so I need to stop doing that. Hmm. Okay. So yeah. now you're more mindful of how trying, trying, move forward. trying. But I just, but but back to the point of building, yes, challenges, challenges, yeah, learning, growing, Facts. mistakes. Mm-hmm. See, I was working backwards, so I got to your question. <laughs> um, I've learned, like, I can have a vision for a business, but I don't have to have the only DNA that's in the business. Okay. And I always struggled with having partners. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we have another business now we started called Sidekick, and I'm one of four partners, right? There's three women and me, and we're all equals. Now, I have a different role. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of more the the networking guy and kind of initial funding and yeah. two of them are running it and three, but like I'm learning like, Hey, you know what? Um, I used to have an expression. This is going to sound horrible, but I love it. 
Mm-hmm. You know that line, there's no I in team? Yes. And I would say, yeah, but there is in win. There, there is. And that's how I'd like validate myself. validate what you're doing. And I over-validated myself. But I still think it's good, don't you? It like, you're going to have a t-shirt, and it's, right? And it's correct. No I in team, but there is there's a win. Why, there's an yeah. I in win, and yeah. everybody wants to win. Right. That's not like something that Kobe would say, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. But yes, I wanted to ask you, what would you consider this phase in your career as you kind of like learn new things and shift into different spaces? Yeah, it's, it's two things. I think it's the impact phase. So with mm-hmm. Black Talent Initiative, Park Street, yeah. Growing Our Ventures, Sponsorship X, which you've been a part of, mm-hmm. it's how do we make impact? And then I think for me, it's, it's uh, there's a book men my age read and we pass along to each <laughs> other in our secret conversations. Okay. It's called Younger Next Year. Mm-hmm. And basically the concept is when you hit the point where in your final third of your life, yeah. how do you live the final third of your life better than the first two-thirds combined. Hmm. And for me, that is, how can I be a better husband slash partner? We never actually had an official wedding, but okay. she, Karen's my partner, yes. wife. How do, I, how do I be a better partner? How do I be a better friend? How do I be better to me? Mm-hmm. Um, you were and still are a high-performance athlete. I was never at that level. Mm-hmm. Part of it is I didn't work hard enough in sports. Okay. That's probably one regret I have. What sport would it be? Football? Uh, I was also on the wrestling team. I had a really bad injury, though. Okay. Almost died. Long story. Hmm. Um, from a wrestling so accident. podcast is what yeah. you're telling me. But, um, um, so now, I play a lot of squash. Yes, okay. it's the Richie Poo Poo sport. But yes. I treat, uh, I train for squash. So, mm-hmm. like, and for me, like, I like scoreboards. So, there's seven levels at our squash club. Yes. About nine years ago, I injured my leg, so I went from five down to seven. I was just coming back in. I was like, okay, you want to get from seven to five? Anyway, mm-hmm. the last few years, I've been stuck at three. Hmm. Last year, I was like, I'm going to win level three. Mm-hmm. What do I have to do up here? What do I have to do with this? What do I have to do here to win level? So started taking all sorts of Peloton strength programs, okay. core programs, jumped on Noom, shed some yes. weight. yes. Hired a coach, subscribed to squash skills. I won level three. Congratulations. And so for me, to say where I'm at is like, I'm trying to think of what's the next level three in my work life, in okay. my personal life. Um, I love public speaking. Mm-hmm. I spend a lot of time at prepping, right? People are like, oh, you're job. a natural. I'm not a natural. You Who's a natural? Great job. Who's a natural? People who practice. Right. Who, who practice. has rhythm running hurdles? The people who practice right. a lot. Right. And get out of their own heads. And who fall and get up over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. I have a funny hurdling story. Tell me. Okay. (laughs) So you ever heard of this woman named Perdita Flucian? I've heard of her once or twice, yeah. So um, after Perdita had her trip at the Olympics when she was supposed to win, I was doing a campaign for Nike Mm -hmm. called the World's Canada's Fastest Kid. And so we, we ran these really fun, cool events. And at our Toronto event, this kid from North Bay came, and then we flew him, or then he came to the Nationals, he won. And so one of the prizes you got, because we didn't want to screw around with their NCAA mm-hmm. eligibility, was you got this school assembly for your whole track team, so everybody okay. got stuff. Got kidded, yeah. <clears throat> and at the event, he got like a heavyweight championship belt, and he got a billboard in town saying Canada's fastest kid. Wow. So Perdita was going to be our celeb for that. So this is quite a while ago. Yep. Um, like, I don't know. 
2008 or nine or whatever. What yeah. games was it? She. I think it was Beijing. So it's yeah. 2008. Yeah. Yeah. So this is 09 or 10. So we fly to North Bay on a private jet um, to do this thing for Adam. I think was the kid's name. Yeah. So I've got the Nike clients and me and a and a, and a content team. Kind of mm-hmm. hilarious to get content back. I think they were doing this, <laughs> right? You know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so we land the jet on the tarmac. And um, the camera crew goes down, mm-hmm. and it's early morning, and they're going to get Perdita coming out of the plane mm-hmm. down the steps. And so I'm letting her pass me, and she puts her hand on my shoulder, and she goes, I've got to remember not to trip on the first step. Interesting. Now, think about it. Mm-hmm. The, what should have been the greatest moment of her life. Yes. You know, let's, obviously, she's married and kids and mm-hmm. all the rest of it and, and killing it. But... Like, she was supposed to win the Olympics. She was, yeah. That's my story. So to think of, think of how much, like, she, she's, she owned that moment. Mm-hmm. And I remember not to trip on the first, first step. step. That's probably like a t-shirt. Is that not a t-shirt? You could probably put it in a t-shirt. Right. have a Nike sponsor. It could be a whole moment. But I think BSV could sponsor her. Stop. We should. And all about the comeback story, how to make the most of every moment. Yeah. It could be a thing. And everyone says to me, how do I start a business? I'm like, just jump in. So don't trip on the first step. Hmm. Hmm. So would you, but you're going to trip at some point. Are we remotely on topic, by the way? I know no, you had all it's these okay. questions. I, okay. I, right. Honestly, Mark, I okay. expected this with you. Right, so good. this is not new or foreign good. for me. Good. But if so when I lied to you and said I read the questions. <laughs> well, speaking of tripping on the first step, let's talk about, let's change gears a bit. Let's yeah. talk about BTI. Yeah. And the step that everybody kind of took in 2020 to kind of take a step back and realize that the racial inequities that we've all known as people of color Mm -hmm. existing and what we can now then do to help change the narrative or change the realities around that. So BTI started to help people of color, specifically black people, navigate the world of marketing better. How do you feel about that now versus when it started? Um, Thank you for saying black. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't. No, no, because I'm not, we're not about people of color. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, all people are important. But, of course, but BTI um, specifically. I think there's two ways to answer this. One is mm-hmm. the way that is, is still, I think, raw for black people and not for other people is George Floyd's murder. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm just reading the book now. They call me George. Okay. And I got to tell you, um, it's a hard book to read because I'm reading about him playing high school basketball or high school football and I can see this teenager who sees sport as many young black American youth do yeah. as a way out. Mm-hmm. But you know the ending, right? So it's like watching a TV show that everybody else has been watching and knowing that your favorite character has been canceled. Correct. Only it's worse because this, this, this beautiful human for, for a false report mm-hmm. was killed by a coworker. Like everyone forgets this. They worked at the same bar together. Yeah, they did. This was a coworker. Mm-hmm. So George Floyd's murdered. We're all freaking out. Um, I realized I hadn't done anything for the black community. So you could argue I'm doing this in a way for me. Mm-hmm. Um, or you could argue I'm doing it for the black community. Yeah. I, maybe it's a bit of both. Right now we're trying to help empower black leaders who are at inflection point, yeah. not just in marketing. We're still finding our way, but I think probably the best thing that's come out of it for me is um, look at us. Mm-hmm. 
Look at the Hugh Lawsons. Look mm -hmm. at the young people we've got to know. Yeah. Uh, look at the community we've built. And, you know, here in 2023, we know that a lot of people, politicians, business leaders, um, educators, uh, they think this is, we've had our moment. Yeah. Hey, you, you, you got some funding and some grants and some, some, some guy got on Dragon's Den. Mm -hmm. You people should be happy now. 100%. Let's move right? On. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I talked about my mom crying mm -hmm. about paying off the mortgage. Yeah. Her family, who are escaped slaves, came through to Canada and settled in an area near Waterloo called the Queen's Bush. Are you familiar with it? No, I'm not. So the Queen's Bush was literally some land that was given by the monarchy to black people mm -hmm. outside of Waterloo. And of course, it was the worst land around okay. and the worst this and the worst that. But you know what happened? The escaped slaves cleared that land. Mm -hmm. They learned how to farm it. They built great homes on it. They built a community. So now we know what happened next. They, they were moved out. They, yeah, they had to get. They were moved out mm -hmm. because all of a sudden people went, "Wow, we didn't see the potential in that land." So for my mom, I think that owning that home was she. Hundred years later, she wasn't going to have her Queen Bush moment. She mm -hmm. wasn't going to be take have that home that she worked so hard for taken away from her. Right. And I think for you and for me, mm -hmm. we are seeing the potential in our community and yes. other people. And, and, I, and I think to be transparent at times as a business leader, I probably um, tried to make sure that people didn't perceive me as black because I was concerned they wouldn't hire my company. I don't mm -hmm. think I actually ever, I mean, I had some, some ridiculous situations. Of course, I'm um, sure you have. Like my very first business trip to Chicago, <clears throat> and I'm actually presenting to the president of a U.S. company, a friend had got me in, gave me a lead. I impressed my way up. They're like, okay, you got to come to Chicago and present to the president. I'm kind of like, this is crazy. Yeah. I'm literally a one-man band. Like this, <laughs> Let's go. This is, I'm going to jump to the end. I won this business. It yeah. was the, literally, I won a piece of business. I, it allowed me to hire five people overnight. Ooh, it was, maker, it was amazing. But I go and they're like, oh, you're on at 11 o'clock. Be there by 10. We're in this boardroom. Okay. So it's a big, long boardroom with like three different sets of doors. I open up the, 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 the front door. I realize that the presentations are there, so I'm going to go to the back, mm -hmm. go to the back, open the back door. I'm looking for my folks that I know there to right. weigh me to chair. And this young woman runs over to me, all dressed in her little business suit, little Miss Duke University MBA girl. I don't know if she would do Duke, <laughs> but you know the type, right? Yep, yep. And, and I'm stepping in, and you know what she says to me? We don't need any more coffee. Oh, oh. We don't need any more coffee. I'm, I got my best suit on. Yes. I don't have a hotel badge. No. And it doesn't say Mark from housekeeping no. or Mark from catering. It, said, it, it we says nothing. You don't need any more coffee. coffee. And I was oh. like, either do I. I'm here to present to Mr. Farley. 100%. Like, How did she take that? Like, no. Okay, so I'm going to fast forward. I don't know where this person is. I don't remember the name, but I will tell you this. So we, we had the presentations. Yes. She was from the agency in Chicago, which was Leo Burnett. I'll say that. So if she's watching 20 plus years later. Let's, yeah, let's find it. Then there's the team dinner afterwards. Hey, we did a great job. Of course. She sat across from me and she kissed my butt the whole night. Oh, you were so good. Oh, you were so smart. Oh, you were this. I was like, you were double-double, right? Did I get your order right? You, know? <laughs> you gave it to her, right. didn't you? Like, I, no, I was nice. But yeah. I just said the whole time, I was just like, really? Like, don't even remotely tell me mm -hmm. that that. Everything about the way you were raised yeah. didn't precondition you that a black person 
coming into a boardroom yep. was only there to, to do help. Mm -hmm. You're the help. That I was the help. <laughs> That's interesting. I, I'm happy she was able to kind of like, I don't know if it's inauthentic or not, but kind of make the turn and be like, okay, my bad. This no, no, it had, no, don't be happy for her. Don't she was, her. she knew like, I'm up there presenting, yes. she's turning red. Like she was a, she you know, not to be egotistical and hierarchical, but she was a note taker in the meeting. Like she was nowhere on the food chain, Correct. right? Like, you know, you're the whole presenter. Yeah, I'm, I'm presenting. I'm, I just got signed off for a ton of money. Mm -hmm. I'm doing backflips. I'm like, well, great. He didn't forget. It. I'm the only person in my company. Like literally, <laughs> well, literally, like my in. my address for mm -hmm. my company was my home. Your home address. If, there, if the Google familiar. existed, then they would have done like a Google search. Like, hey, we just saw this guy coming out of his back door at a barbecue. <laughs> this is World Headquarters, right? This is the World Headquarters. This is World HQ. Yes, this is. is the big place. This but I had a home. shiny business card with an embossed logo, so I had them oh, all fooled. Oh, so you're fancy. Fancy pants. You gotta fake it till you make it, though. Yeah. And you did. So I'm going to ask you two more questions. Okay. The first question I'm going to ask you is that you have a remarkable ability to bring people together. And your, your way of building network and communities is unlike anybody I've ever seen. What would you think, what do you say is the reason why you're so motivated to do it and you do it so well? Well, you're assuming I'm motivated. Yeah. How do you know I want <laughs> well, to do it? You do it, it so right? effortlessly. I would assume that you're motivated. Um, I would, am I assuming wrong? No, I, 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 I think that um, all of us have been left out. Mm -hmm. Have you ever been left out? Many times. Yeah, and it sucks. Yeah. And I think there's nothing worse than being left out. And so um, I'm not always perfect. And I do get my backup. Like, I know there's people out there in the industry mm -hmm. where I, don't get me wrong, like, it happens to you as well, right? Yeah. Where somebody comes to you for the fourth time, like, asking for, like, mentorship or a door open or whatever. Yes. You go to an event. And I hate people interrupt me when I'm doing combos at a networking event, and they're like this, like waiting in like line. Waiting like line. just chill. We'll, we'll all get there. Yeah. But I, what I don't want anybody to ever feel is like they're left out. So, I know that what I said might have sounded contradictory, but it's not. No. My point is, and I hate all these DEI analogies about getting invited to the room and dancing and, and the table how you and dance. All this not bullshit. Come on, like, <laughs> like, like, like feed me. Don't. Don't tell me to dance. By the way, it's fucking, <laughs> it's racist, by the way. It's racist, <laughs> okay. right? Like, we're all, like, we're all like people assume dancing. we're good dancers. Even though it's, I know I'm a good dancer, but yes, it is Oh, racist. I'm horrible. <laughs> I'm horrible. Um, and, um, but I just think there's nothing worse than feeling like you're left out. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, people are, are um, they are better together, yep. getting to know one each other. And understanding what makes people tick. And I had a mentor. I had these three amazing mentors. All white men when I was in my 20s. Okay. I used to call them the three wise men. But I'm kind of moving away from certain Certainly things. Connotations. Yeah, connotations. But I remember um, one of them told me um, that the best sales approach in the world was to wander. Mm -hmm. So when I went to events... I would wander offices. Now I just kind of stand in one place because yes. I kind of just, that's my new gig. It's like, I'll be over here. Um, but part of what he really meant about wandering was just go meet new people. Yeah. Go explore. Like how many times have you gone to companies and they've said to you, how do we hire black people? Or I don't have any black friends. Where do I find black people? I'm like, I don't know, Google it. Google like, it. Where do the black people live here? Um, and then the other thing I'll say about, about, uh, about community is, um, and of course, I just lost my train of thought. Oh, 
Let's come back. You come back. Is I think the beautiful thing about our business, mm-hmm. and you and I are kind of in the same, same realm-ish. same realm. Yeah. Is that inherently a lot of people got into it because they like people. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I find is people in our business. I don't know if they're any more genuine or authentic than others, but but they want to be friends. Yeah. And I like having friends. Me too. So maybe it's a little bit selfish. I don't know. Okay. I don't think it's selfish. I think that's the way you are. Yeah. Being authentic to yeah. yourself. I like having friends. Yeah. I like having people around. I can support each other. Yeah. Build something up. Yeah. And you've done that. So I think there's nothing inauthentic about it. But like, I got a, a thing I'm trying to solve in Austin, Texas. Okay. And I'm walking the other night and I'm like, oh my God, I got to get a hold of Nico. And Nico's that guy I met. Uh, I was in Austin like seven or eight years ago. And... Um, uh, when I gave him my business card, he wrote on the back of it, Tinder date. Now, now don't, don't assume. Let's <laughs> not okay? jump off here. <laughs> but, but myself and, and Imran, Emmy, who you've met, yeah. who we work together, we were at this bar, South by Southwest, yep. and I go to Emmy, that's a Tinder date behind us, and it's not going well. So the two of us are doing this <laughs> eavesdropping thing, right? We're eavesdropping. Check out what's going on over right? here. And his version of the story is he's on a bad Tinder date. Yeah. And... Um, all of a sudden, this cool guy, Emmy, and this loud guy, me, come yeah. into the bar. And he's kind of like, I wonder if I can kind of start hanging with those guys so I'm I can get rid of this. Anyway, the four of us end up hanging out. And then all of a sudden, like, we, she realized, like, the date's not going well because Buddy's not making friends at the bar. So she checks out. Okay. And I gave him my card and said, you know, let's hook up sometime. He works at the W uh, in, Austin. in Austin. And to remind himself of how we met, he wrote Tinder, Tinder date. date. So then, like, a year later, I, like, messaged him, and he, like, you remember me? He sent me a picture back. Yeah, I've got your card. <laughs> but then he gave me the picture, and I used that picture, mm-hmm. like, a couple years ago. I'm at, I'm at St. Soho's in Austin. Like, hey, I'm checking this guy in to come have dinner with me, and I show the, the woman at the desk. Yep. Actually, I sent it. I go, it's Tinder date guy. <laughs> so when the guy comes in and says, he here for me? All I want to ask him is, like, are you the Tinder I'm date Tinder guy? Date. But the point is, I have this problem I'm trying to solve in Austin. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, i got to get a hold of Nico. Yeah. But the first thing I can remember was Tinder date. Tinder date. I go to my WhatsApp, shoot him a message. He's in Seattle on business. Hey, when I get back to Austin, I'll ask around. And so back to the power of friends. Mm-hmm. You have friends all over the world. Yeah. The ability to tap into somebody in Austin to help you solve a problem in Austin is amazing. 100%. Boy, that it's would, valuable. You better it's edit valuable. this thing down because this is this is turning into like war and peace. <laughs> it's turning into war and peace. Yeah, we're like, going to edit it's it. Really, really it. long. Yeah, well, there are so many good parts. It's going to be hard too. Rambly. But given the fact that you are an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and all these amazing things and the things that you started with T One and being a black man in the space doing mm-hmm. what you're doing, I want to ask you: Why is it necessary to be black in sport business? Was it necessary? What do you mean by the word necessary? I did read this question, by the way, and it did intrigue me. Because there's an interesting choice of words. I want to use the word important. I want to use necessary. Because to me, given that sport business or sport in general is fueled by so many people of color, especially black people, Mm -hmm. I think on the business side, it is necessary. So I just want to reinforce that by asking people who I interview. Okay, so that's what I thought you meant. Mm -hmm. I would say this. we're going to park sport for a minute because I've got sure. about a 19-minute diatribe of that. <laughs> um, the problem with the marketing world in general mm-hmm. is that marketing is supposed to be about leveraging passion points um, to get consumers to buy products. Yeah. Most passion points 
are connected to art, music, sport, film. And most of those <laughs> pillars are driven by black people, or let's just over say and say non-white people. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, not that it's exclusive of white people, mm -hmm. but you know, look at the best white musicians in the world. They're all inspired. They're all they're all, they're all taking music and approaches and blues and beats and approaches, right? Mm -hmm. um, like is Eminem, Eminem without black people? I, no, no really. chance. No way. Right work. now, and I love him. I think he's amazing. He's amazing, but and so to your point, we're on the stages. Mm -hmm. uh, we're on the field. We're on the field. Yeah. We're, we're in the field. hospital bed because we've sacrificed our body. Yeah. Right. You know where we aren't. We're not in the meeting rooms, and you know where I grew up in Aurelia. Like, hey, you know, you're not dating my daughter, right? <laughs> <clears throat> mm -hmm. And so I, I understand your point, and I think it's it. I, I don't even think it's like, oh, diversity is good for business. Like, you want to win. Mm -hmm. I'm going to steal an expression from the Black Opportunity Fund. Yes. Bet. Oh, actually, I'm going to say bet on black. Mm -hmm. They say we back black. But I'm going to be like, bet on black. Bet on you want to win? Now it's time for my diatribe. Okay. Football, which right. I love more than anything. Yes. Is the last bastion of slavery. It is. Where white owners. Mm -hmm. Predominantly white coaches, yep. predominantly white general managers, take a physical resource in their mind, <clears throat> mm -hmm. and at a win-at-all-cost mentality, exploit that and mm -hmm. exploit it for their own good. Hundred percent. And even the NBA, which I think is the most player-centric league, mm -hmm. I think the league's eighty-something percent black and fifty percent black coaches. Mm -hmm. Now that's amazing compared to the NFL or right. U.S. college. Mm -hmm. But you know the good news for non-white people is that in 2019 was the first year that white babies were outpaced um, by non-white babies mm -hmm. in America. Yep. And I would say to any white person who doesn't want to embrace where things are going, fine, keep holding out. Maybe you'll die and the status quo will be the same, yeah. but it isn't going to be for, the same for your kids and it's not going to be the same for your, your grandkids. grandkids. Yeah. And you're going to be, you know, Canada's black population is doubling in the next 10 years. Okay. Right? So, it is necessary, mm -hmm. um, and for so many reasons. No different than I think that it's necessary for us as Canadians to reconsider how we allow indigenous people mm -hmm. to rule and conduct themselves on their own fucking land. Yeah. Right? If they want to educate themselves in a certain way, they should be allowed to. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Because I know if I want to homeschool my kid, I can. I have the legal right, too. How come they don't? How come they don't? Yeah. Hmm. Valid point. So I, I, I understand your question. I think it's a, a great one. And I think that, um, you know, uh, let's oversimplify this. Mm -hmm. That's... It's 2023. Yes. First slave came on our shores 400 years ago. Mm -hmm. No, sorry. Okay. What year is it? It's 2023. Yeah, so 415, 16 years ago. Okay. Um, his name was Olivia Lejeune. Uh, I think he was eight years old. Hmm. First slave in Canada. So we need an excel a hyper speed acceleration, acceleration, a balance. Yeah. And the people uh, people should realize that it's good for them. 
and we're owed it. And I don't, I don't need any other studies or data. Like, black people are owed it. My mom should have gone to med school. Yeah. Your dad should have been able to get the job he wanted to without duress. Without white ego and hungry. Yeah. Because he needs to eat. <laughs> he needs to eat, apparently. It was so important. Everybody needs to eat. It's essential. If we don't eat, we, we starve. It's not good. Right. So we should have the right to do what we, we want to do in spaces that we feel are deemed free. But we're clearly not. But you know what? We're working on it. I mean, the numbers are, don't lie. Mm-hmm. A black man with a university degree in this country makes 60 to 80% what a white man does. Full stop. Well, let's talk about black females while we're at it. <laughs> it's another disparity. Preach. Jump in. It's, it's another disparity. Right? Mm-hmm. So. As, 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 as I'm borrowing this from somebody, mm-hmm. a black woman has three strikes. Yes. You're black. Yep. You're female. You're a woman. And you're a black woman. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Yeah, racism, sexism times 10. <laughs> right. All of the above. Um, Mark, you know I could talk to you for another three hours, but we're not going to do that for the podcast. We're going we're gonna to leave it here because I think we've said so many powerful things, but I want to first of all thank you for taking the time. All the time, anytime. To be open and honest yeah. about this and having this amazing discussion about the importance of like, black entrepreneurship. You've said a lot of powerful things today, and I'm sure at the end of the day, it's going to help someone navigate better in the space, which is what we really want, and have the visibility that we need. Because I don't think there are many podcasts that talk about black professionals in this setting. So I'm excited to be a part of that kind of, you know, I, I'm, I'm honored to be number 34. <laughs> number four. And we're going to get you your hoodie for Christmas. 34. 34, 34, 24. I, w- I used to play squash at university. I wasn't good, though. Really? Yeah. I you should pick it good. up again. I should probably think about it. Okay. You need to play. Okay. So 2024, looking to Marshall playing squash. Let's do it. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll get myself together. Get it together. So I, can, I won't play with you, though, because you're way better than me now. We'll play soon. <laughs> you're an athlete. You'll be taking me down. We like to hope that. It won't take long. Thank you, Mark. Thank you so much. <laughs> and thank you guys for joining us. We look forward to seeing you again for episode number four. And stay tuned for more from BSB Podcast. Thank you, guys. listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. We're looking forward to catching you on the next episode of the BSB Podcast.